And that means it's time for the second hour. No, it's time for the first hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future program. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSEO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. At the show that never ends, what's an hour? <laughs> What's a minute? I mean, Susan was already in the second hour. We're we're slowing her down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool though. That fusion energy breakthrough mm-hmm. today. Oh yeah, we watched the press release announcements this morning. That was fun. All the- women, all women announcing the fusion breakthrough. Isn't that Science interesting? Science women huh? from the Department of Energy and the NSA, the head and of the, the Lawrence Livermore Lawrence Labs. Livermore. Yeah. Bottom line is that they put 3.15 megajoules out, 2.05 in. Right. Right? So that's a net gain of one. Right. Yeah. Which is the first time ever that we've gotten more. Well, that makes it sustainable. But how long does it last? Apparently, they only did one hydrogen to helium conversion. Now they need to do it with more molecules. Yeah. Proof of concept. Right. That this approach using lasers works. They call it the ignition. They've achieved ignition of the fusion process. The Lawrence Livermore National Labs. More power coming out than going in. Right. In that approach. It seems to work. Now it's a question of engineering and making it more efficient and and see if we can get something more out of that uh, situation. Mm Mm-hmm. They're still saying it's going to take four decades to well, really... It might take four yeah, decades. They're yeah. hoping it'll take less than that, that like one decade. enterprise will take it forward. But there it's are. a big unknown because this has been apparently the next step. Before they could invest in the magnetic containment infrastructure or even the idea of a power plant that mm-hmm. would generate that would give us this fusion-generated electricity, they had to be able to get more power out of it than they were putting in. (laughs) So step one, we have taken. Now we have to take steps two through (laughs) 10,000. There are a number of startups in the field, though. There's Mm -hmm. quite a few. So that's exciting. It's not just uh, big government money doing this kind of research. Mm -hmm. We'll see what they come up with. Anyway, it's really exciting, and of course, everybody's talking about it because it is a historic event, according to our Department of Energy, December 5th, 2022. Yes. First time we've got more power coming out than going in for fusion. Essentially, it's creating an artificial star. A very tiny one. Yeah. (laughs) The size of one hydrogen atom. (laughs) Our scientists have been studying the physics of fusion for over a century and working the harness on this for at least half of that time. And this is one of the key advances to actually show a success in the process. The potential is huge, though. This could eliminate our energy problems forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because hydrogen is the most common element in the universe and we'll never run out of it. Yeah, it's a holy grail. Clean, limitless energy. It doesn't create pollution just heat it might turn our local planet into a star that could be dangerous what do you mean i, know, <laughs> I, mean, I like it's stars. always turning it into heat uh, like We're... as long as i'm not one i suppose <laughs> that's the key there the temperatures of millions of degrees centigrade oh my goodness uh, mm. that's incredible the latest episode is that we just might 
get there within the next 50 years fully. Mm -hmm. And that would be the end of pollution, is we not? I mean, always worried about polluting the planet and Mm -hmm. carbon issues. And this kind of solves that. 50 years might seem like a long time for us as individuals, but that's a very short period of time when it comes to the planet. Mm -hmm. And so then all of the end times tuners will have to manufacture a new reason why we're all going to die tomorrow. So we should buy their solution. Very good point, Mrs. Future. (laughs) There's always that, isn't there? I'm sure all of you out there can relate that there's always some friends that think that world is going to end soon, no matter what's going on how great it is. It's just their orientation. They're here to proclaim the end of life. That's their job. Remember (laughs) 2012 was supposed to be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Remember the word Nibiru? (laughs) So many people thought it was a a planet-crushing event. Or back in the 50s, Velikovsky and the world's in collision, a similar kind of deal. Yeah, well, we can imagine all kinds of things, but then there's reality. (laughs) Then there's a question of, is this a universe or a multiverse? Because if it is a multiverse, that means that we're always choosing the one that survived. Like Mm -hmm. we're here, we're surviving, you are in the survival world. Just to collapse your unintentional dualism, it can simultaneously be a universe that is a multiverse because every universe will be in its own container. And we have one big container that contains all the multiverses. But if there's, say, life on some other planet that's beyond our reach because we can't communicate with it because it's moving away from us faster than the speed of light, then we will never know about it. And yet that universe is real inside of the larger universe that contains all the multiverses. So there's still only one? That's right. So just saying, there's only one oneness, and duality has many faces. Um, why? This is more complicated than <laughs> Russian dolls. <laughs> but I'm a one-universe person. I yeah, think I there's tell. one and only one I universe. We just can't get to all of it. <laughs> there's only many, many. And yeah. There's only one, one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and there's only many onlys. <laughs> but um, boom. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, philosopher, but what is true? Now, what's true is that it's time for a commercial. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. All right, <laughs> stay tuned. We'll be right back. Dr. and Mrs. Future having fun. And uh, got some callers on the line. Maybe we'll say hi before we come back. So uh, we have some callers on the line. Let's take our callers. All right. Let's say hello to the very patient Chester from Ben Lomond. Hi, Chester. Chester, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I was just thinking about that fusion project. Yes. We're going to get old Elon Musk working on it. Maybe he could get those things going good so he could power up all of his electric cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. would probably gonna, like that. It would do the trick there. Also, it would allow him to have nuclear rockets that would be far more efficient than the current chemical technology we're using. 
Yes. Right. I'm sure yeah. he'd be open yeah. to something that actually worked. Well, it works. I mean, <laughs> hydrazine works. Uh, kerosene is what they're using now for the Falcon 9. Right. That works. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll learn something about how physics works, and we won't have to propel ourselves away from the planet with jet fuel. Maybe we'll discover something about gravity. <gasps> gravity. Ooh. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing I was calling about, I know this is the Christmas season. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of families out there with little kids, and they'd love to be able to find a Santa that they could take their kids to. Sure. And I've been to a couple of places that they do have Santas. One's down at uh, Monterey at the Del Monte Mall. Mm-hmm. There's a Santa Claus down there, yeah, right, right by the Starbucks coffee place. And then there's another one in Felton. I'm sure you've all been to Roaring Camp before. Uh-huh. Sure. On the weekends, they have a Santa Claus there, which... You either just park, you know, and go see Santa, or you go grab some tickets for the steam train and ride up to the top of the hill. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> that is so sweet, uh, Chester. I'm so glad you called to let people know about that. They used to do a Christmas train every year, too. I don't well, they, do, they also do that down at the beach boardwalk Saturday night, Friday, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They have three trains down there, and they start out at the beach boardwalk, and they go around by... Costco, and then they turn around and come back. Yeah, and, we've uh, done I, that I, one. I did that. It's entertaining. I did that last couple of weeks ago. I did that, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. A lot of lights, real pretty lights on the train, you know, and, and they have a Santa Claus on there, too, that goes through there and gets into different positions for people to take pictures of him. Yeah. Do you remember if the cars were indoor cars for that, for that ride? They're mostly indoor cars, but they do have some that are outdoor cars, but they have uh, plastic up on the sides to... Keep your warm. rain in. And the warm yeah. rain, uh, yeah. That would be a bit important this last weekend, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Right, right. Very yeah. true. That is fun. Yes. Well, good. Well, thank you for yeah, that, thanks for that uh, little upload. Yeah, Any year. Happy holidays. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some more places around that, that have Santas, but that's the only two I know. Maybe somebody else could add to it. Yeah. Good so. to know, yes. We want to have you gone out looking at the lights this year? Not yet. I'm planning on doing it the last two weeks, but we're there already. Right, this is it's it. getting close. Now's the time, yeah. man. Don't miss out. Yeah, I think our favorite light this year. We went to uh, Raging Waters over in San Jose. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. We did. Yeah, yeah it's we, a park, a water park. My family they set it up. is a, uh, a connoisseur of those drive-through light shows. And so last year we had all done the Vesona lights. Oh, the Vesona was amazing. In uh, San Jose. Oh, yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping somebody will put in a Raging Waters over on this side of the hill. <laughs> that would be <laughs> there nice. There you go. <laughs> that would be. Sure. Because that would mean that we have plenty of water. That would be really good. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the train is a sweet ride, meanwhile. Anyway, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Uh, you got it. Nice hey, have, have a good yeah. Merry yeah. Christmas and have a good last time there. Well, thank you. Thank we, you. We'll, we, we shall. We will, yeah. Take care. Thank you. All right. Now let's say hi to Randall in Pacific Grove. Hi, Randall. Hey, Randall. Hi. Hi. I was going to mention uh, that uh, the good news, I heard a lot on NBC Lester Holt about the Ignition Laboratory at Livermore. Yes. And that's pretty good news, and I, and I think that that's something to support. Uh, even though Gillig Bus Company has their big manufacturing plant right next door to them, maybe they'll both kind of go the same uh, path. But I've I wanted to mainly call about the condor parthenogenesis that apparently a female condor was able to give birth to two males without a paternal parent. And uh, even though there were males available, 
It happens because apparently the two males that were hatched, they had two Z chromosomes, and the Z chromosomes are like double. If they're double, then it's a male. Yeah. And then there's a W for the female. So it's kind of interesting. And, and I think the reason that it's not an anomaly, not the reason, but the, but the explanation for it not being an anomaly, is they're prehistoric animals. They're primal animals. And I think that back in the days of the prehistoric, all the prehistoric epochs, I would say that the whole point was of life is to get the biomass spread and propagated because the Earth was young. So therefore, I would say... That is probably why parthenogenesis is even more common than the condors. Or probably any mastodons, any other kinds of mammals, dinosaurs. Remember Jurassic Park? Yeah, uh, yeah we Jeff just Goldblum. watched that last yeah. night. Yeah, Jurassic World. Yeah. I just saw Jurassic World last night. Now, I want to remind you that you've been talking nonstop for over a minute, and even though you're saying really great stuff, it's just a conversation. So okay? Mrs. Future has... Exactly, yeah. Sure. Yes, and I, I looked up the parthogenesis and the condors as you were talking, and it also is kind of a Christmassy thing because that's been hailed as a virgin birth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I could see how Adam and Eve could have happened because Adam has an X and a Y, so he could double up the X's and have a rib of Adam be Eve, actually. Who knows what people were like in those days? Back in the old days, prehistoric stories. people may These have been had parthenogenesis. Yeah. yeah, so what I'm saying, though, is it's much the buzz. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank All you right. for bringing yeah, that is. to our very, attention. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty excited cool about stuff. it because it seems like something we wouldn't want to know, <laughs> but it's science. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Nature, we think we know how it works, but she keeps surviving. Well, she does a lot of experiments with uh, replication. (laughs) I'll tell you, all kinds. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, right, sweetie. All right. call. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, All right. Happy holidays. Parthogenesis is an amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you. uh, All right. Nick from Royal Oaks. Hi there. Hi. You know this new nuclear fission thing? Fusion. 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 It sounds like a foot in the door to the Davenport cement site oh yeah well why uh, what, think, what's going why, on there you think that'd be a good place for a power cement. plant made of fusion well radiation is the biggest reason why there's not one there now i thought radiation wasn't the big issue with this one i thought that heat was the big issue with this one in fact no, it's no, desirable because it's you're talking about radiation about at davenport huh you're talking about radiation from fusion right right oh well yeah, there isn't that issue yeah, this, yeah that's fission. why they really have the foot in the door. God bless the way it's going. Do you think they can make nuclear motors? Is this a step towards nuclear motors? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> However, yes. they're they're promising us that all we've done is make a breakthrough, and we're still waiting for at least a decade before it's yeah. well, in it's, use. It's, we play off each other. You know, I don't think we were the first one to bounce off the atmosphere to approach. Is that correct? It did come back really fast. I think part of the key with the new Orion space capsule, our new capsule that goes to the moon and back, is that it comes back at a very blisteringly fast speed. And the way they slowed it down was they bounced it off the atmosphere yeah, once. using the atmosphere as brakes. As a break, and then go, Skid. yeah, yeah and then, then... And then once it gets up to 5,000 degrees... Well, they want, don't want it to get... Beyond five thousand degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Otherwise, it can be kind of toasty for yeah. anyone inside. Right. So they skip once, and then they come in again, and it goes up to five thousand degrees Fahrenheit, and splash down near Baja California, near Guadalupe Island. 
Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of in New Mexico. Yeah, Baja area, right? yeah. Peninsula, sure. And a Navy ship quickly moved in, recovered it, and its silent occupants, the dummies. <laughs> the crash dummies. The robots. That didn't crash. The robots, three <laughs> test dummies rigged with vibration sensors and radiation monitors. and Probably and, temperature monitors, too. And Twitter accounts. And Twitter accounts. Oh, yeah. They really? talked to you. Yeah, yeah. You I didn't go see look that. Yeah. The crash, the Artemis dummies had Twitter accounts? They do. They report. Wow. And, well, you know, NASA's been doing that for a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. You know, like all their spacecraft all have Twitter accounts. Oh. They give regular reports. You never showed me that before. Oh, well, now you know. Very interesting. Yeah, just look it up. Okay. NASA also thought that this splashdown was pretty perfect. And all kinds of congratulations from everywhere has been pouring in on that. It's yeah, it really a, reminded you of the Kennedy era space program with the crew capsule splashing down with its parachutes and them fishing it out of the ocean. <laughs> yep, kind of brings back those memories if you had them, if you're old enough to remember the heyday in the 60s. But you know, another thing is that it seemed to go a lot faster in the 60s. Like our next big Artemis launch isn't until... Right. And... That's not even to land on the moon. That's like Apollo 10, where it just circles around the moon. That's what they're doing in 2020. In two years, we're going to get to circle again. And then the following year is when we land. But it's going to take two years, according to the NASA plan. Meanwhile, I believe there's going to be an orbit around the moon next year from Elon. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk and his gang. Mm -hmm. That will happen prior to NASA achieving Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's a long time frame for now. NASA's taking it real carefully, sure. step by step. Yeah, NASA is not on the mainstream media news cycle in the way that other organizations no. are. and Their plans are for decades. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was 50 years ago when they last landed. So oh, we forgot to go to a break. Oh, okay, time for a break. Yeah. Okay. All right, see you folks in a few minutes. Be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show. So, so far we've been talking about Artemis and Fusion, and now we have Bobby on the line. Bobby, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry about the delay. I was updating my iOS products, and it took a lot longer than I thought. Oh, they didn't know you had a date with the community here. You sound good, Bobby, but a little bit louder would be great. Oh, okay. I'll turn up my mic here. Okay. As a science person, what do you think of the Fusion thing? Oh, I didn't catch up on the fusion. I did watch the splashdown. Oh, okay. Let's go to that then. Let's go to what you know. The Artemis splashdown. Did it bring back memories of Apollo for you? It did. It looked like when they splashed down Apollo. Yeah. And then it was coming down. I was following it. It It's like at 100,000 feet. It was faster than the speed of sound. Mm -hmm. But when it actually landed, it came down so softly it was only 18 miles an hour 18 miles an hour wow yeah so it was a wow. very soft landing compared to apollo which yeah. you know they kind of splashed pretty hard my understanding is that they left it sitting there for a while yeah they wanted to see if it would spring a leak and sink you know just in case <laughs> that could be bad if there were people on board yeah so might as well test it when it's just the dummies right and, and it looked so large when you first saw it splash down you didn't know the size but then when they had those zodiac boats going around it you realize that that capsule is quite a bit larger than apollo yes it, it is it, yeah. yes and it holds four people instead of three yeah you know so there has a bathroom too i believe 
Not that the Apollo didn't. <laughs> no, no, I, I thought, thought the bathroom thought for went... the Apollos was part of their spacesuit. Really? That's, that, I, I think no, so. No, no. I really? think it's true. Yeah, I, don't really. know. I think you should Google it. Did the, the Apollo capsules have a toilet? No, they bag? didn't have an outhouse. No, on the no they had some kind of <laughs> vacuum extraction unit. You did suction right to the outside. Their, <laughs> they I, left their compost on the moon when they returned. <laughs> I think they at one point they tried throwing it out the window, but then they kept on orbiting around the craft you know, for hours. Are you kidding? No, 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 no that's better. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, it was a real, you know, don't yeah. throw it just outside. <laughs> it's really bad. It all comes down to animals. We're just animals. What a- can we do? Animals in space. <laughs> Experiencing something they have never experienced before. That's right. With yeah. glee. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, it was interesting about Artemis, and we've talked a little bit about this before. We're going to do a little update on it. Is the CubeSats that were on board? Oh, that's my favorite part of the Artemis mission. Is all of the independent science experiments going on there? There were ten of them for the uninitiated. The CubeSats are small, little, inexpensive satellites that were getting a, a free ride, or not, maybe not a free ride, but a, a, a ride, paid ride, a paid ride <laughs> into space. And out of the ten, six of them made it. And four of them didn't. And yeah, let's go over them because it seemed to me that the ones that didn't make it are the ones that were sponsored by governments. And the ones that did make it are the ones that were educational and private and entrepreneurial. Well, keep in mind, we won't have a full report until early January when NASA tells us more details. Uh-huh. But what we know so far is that the Omo Tanashi, the Japanese CubeSat that contained a tiny lunar lander, it was supposed to demonstrate the feasibility of cheap surface exploration of the moon. And it failed almost immediately after launch. Oh, how disappointing. These guys were hoping to have the next lander on the moon, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the first lander that can do a, a drag race with the one from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. The Japanese space agency's craft's solar cells failed to orient towards the sun. And that means it couldn't get enough power to communicate with Earth. Oh, it couldn't find our local star. That is a big problem when you're solar powered. Got to know where the star is. Yeah, they're never able to get communication going. So, <laughs> sadly. Aww. But so that- it's not all fail for the Japanese. Uh, the Japanese space startup company iSpace might succeed. It's a private company, and they launched their own moon mission aboard the SpaceX Falcon 9. If it lands, okay it'll take until next april before it lands it'll be the first commercial rover on the moon all right so the rover race to the moon is on yeah (laughs) yeah remember years ago it was a google x prize Mm -hmm. 10 million dollar x prize to the first group that gets a rover on the moon and sends it back live tv pictures to us Oh, really? That's an X Prize, huh? Yeah, it was. Huh? They discontinued it in 2018 because no one was successful in achieving it by that date. And they still haven't. And the, but this one that was just launched by uh, JAXA, the Japanese space agency, just might succeed next year. Oh, so boy. that's something to look forward to. All right. April. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also lost was the Lockheed Martin's Loon IR satellite. Mm-hmm. Now, that was intended to perform a lunar flyby that would gather infrared data about the moon's surface. Oh, see, the secret bases on the moon took care of that one. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's Lockheed Martin's trying to spy on us. Let's yeah. let's 
send out a beacon and they disable their camera. Not, not time to know us yet. <laughs> Either that or it's just a good way for Lockheed Martin to keep the data private. <laughs> well, the data would have provided info about the rocks, the regolith composition, mm-hmm. the thermal signature, and they're also looking for water. Mm-hmm. But this. not the moon bases for the secret space program. You'd have to ask... Uh, Hecklefish. Hecklefish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hecklefish or uh, Hecklefish and me are tight. <laughs> yeah, or the moon conspiracy folks. Uh huh. There's lots of uh, stories. Yeah, there's that. an awful lot of. Richard alternate... Hoagland would be a good candidate. Oh yeah, no, he's that. no fun. What do you mean no fun? I like Richard. You do? Yeah. He's so serious. I know. Well, he needs to have the right person to bounce it off of. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He does get a little serious about his insanity. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think I'm Art, sure Art Bell had more fun, fun with, with him that. than George. George Norrie doesn't have as much fun with with him as as Art did, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Art could be super serious in his tone of voice. Oh yeah, Art yeah. really was like, okay, I'm going to believe everything you tell me, as and, long as you're talking, and then I'll think about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And his seriousness gave the other person a sense that what they're saying was credible. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, so it's a very interesting interplay. So Lockheed Martin said some good did come of their project nonetheless. A new type of lightweight, long-life space Cairo cooler used in the failed spacecraft will be used on future missions to keep the scanners cool, Hmm. the infrared scanners. Okay. Not just the beers anymore, huh? It's going to keep the infrared scanners. Yeah. Yeah, that Cairo cooler. Yeah, the right space cooler. A lot it's of people have out. compared CubeSats to ice chests. That <laughs> they yeah. look like little ice chests. Kind of, this is a CubeSat ice. It's a CubeSat in an ice cooler. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so Lockheed was hoping to identify landing spots, future landing spots, right. with this as well. But yeah. I guess that's going to be yeah, because the infrared the can map out every little yeah. rock. <laughs> but now they know how to keep scanners chilled. Uh-huh. Okay. Another silent satellite is the CubeSat to study solar particles, mm-hmm. or CUSP. They had plans to reach interplanetary space in order to measure radiation headed towards our planet, kind of like a space weather satellite. Mm-hmm. Initially, it seemed to be working, and then several issues happened really quickly, mostly about communications. And so NASA's been unable to reestablish communication. Oh, I yeah. see. So the antenna stopped pointing towards us, huh? Or <laughs> something. They don't know. And we'll find out in the big NASA reveal. The in thing about CubeSats is they don't have a lot of ability to manipulate themselves. Small little spaceships with minimal yeah. capability. Yes. Yeah. It's a good challenge. It's kind of like the challenge to build a drone that's less than 250 grams. Because if you can get it below that amount, then it's not subject to as many regulations mm-hmm. as the bigger drones. Right. And so the amateur market has rallied around the 250-gram mark and has done amazing things. Sure. What super light drones can do now. Sure. It's the same thing with space satellites. And CubeSats are eminently affordable by universities and even uh, high schools. Mm. So we're starting to see more and more citizen science projects reach the light of space. (laughs) Another failure. I don't know why I'm focusing on all the failures right now. Maybe that's well, because... you know, it's kind that, of the darkest before the dawn, right? right? I'll tell you the successes <laughs> next. There are six successes. Yeah, we'll see. You've got one minute to finish oh. the fourth failure, okay, failure. And then we've got a whole rest of show to talk about the successes. 
the near-Earth asteroid Scout, NEA Scout, was supposed to reach a, a small asteroid known as 2020 GE by Oh, yeah, September. that was exciting. A yeah. little CubeSat going out to check out an asteroid. But sadly, it appears that rendezvous will not occur. It would have been the first CubeSat to study an asteroid. It was planned to be propelled by a little solar sail. Oh, that was the solar sail yeah. one, huh? it turned out to be that something was wrong. The sail is reflective enough to be seen from the ground through a telescope and flight controllers tried to get it to perform an emergency deployment twice shortly after the launch, but the commands didn't seem to work, and we never were able to observe the sail unfurled, Oh, sadly. So the sail doesn't know it's supposed to unfurl, huh? It still thinks it's on the launch dock waiting. So it said, unfurl, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sail, but nothing happens. Yes. <laughs> That's and then, too bad. And, and there's a fifth CubeSat where the communications has been kind of spotty. Uh, it's called T-Miles Long Distance Communication Experiment Craft. But now they've apparently got better contact with that now, and they're working on communications from space experiments. Wow. I'm sure you could do a lot of research into what's the ideal way to communicate from the moon. Yeah, and what frequencies work best, all, all kinds of uh, ideas. About all right. That. All we right. we got to go to a break. We'll be right back. Okay, let me give you a success. Argo Moon. Argo Moon. Argo Moon. One of the CubeSats that we're going to hear more about, huh? This one was designed by the Italian Space Agency. Oh, this is this is definitely <laughs> yeah. the star of the Artemis launch. For it sure. flew with Artemis, and mm -hmm. it was deployed, and it became uh, one of the first European CubeSats to leave Earth's orbit, going beyond Earth. And it demonstrates the ability to collect images of the Orion craft itself. Mm -hmm. So we're able to see pictures reflected back of the main craft from this craft. And I believe we saw some of those in the shots of Orion. Those were actually done by the Italian spaceship. Right. Was that the Earth rise? Well, the, um, the crescent Earth? I'm not sure. Very possibly it could have been. The Argo Moon would have recorded images as it performs those Earth rises. Hmm. It's really cool to have a mobile camera. I wish I often had a camera I could just have nearby that I don't have to actually run you know, to shoot the scene that I'm in. It'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see more shots from the Italian spacecraft and see what it actually collected. But that worked. That's the exciting news about that, hmm. as opposed to all these lost in space operations. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. In terms of craft that were successful, there was the BioSentinel. BioSentinel. Now, that's a project that's actually local to the Bay Area. It was uh, Ames Research Center, Silicon Valley NASA facility, to understand the effects of radiation on biology in space. Mm -hmm. hmm. No, what kind of biology you might ask? Well, biology that you don't mind dying in space <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> from the experiment. And, and in this case, it was yeast, mm -hmm. hmm. right? The, the biosentinel was equipped with yeast. It's a model organism to understand how high energy radiation can cause breaks in DNA. Mm. Yeah. So our genetic information is affected by radiation and yeast 
is the perfect little critter to help us understand that. Not only do we understand it, but the way damage in its DNA is repaired is similar to how we repair DNA in our human cells. Oh, yeast so cells repair. They have damage. a lot to teach us, huh? We can study the repair mechanism because if our systems weren't self-repairing, we wouldn't be around nearly so long. And space does cause our systems to repair itself more, but still, we can repair ourselves from radiation damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the future, I'm sure that some people with an excellent ability to have a quick repair system will be better in space. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Ideal for space travel. Your DNA repairs very quickly. Mm-hmm. You get a green light. Well, you have DNA spread all out throughout your body. Yes. So <laughs> yes. it seems like you must have a lot of functional copies somewhere. You would hope so. Maybe we can, by watching this, not only can we see how DNA is damaged by radiation, but perhaps in the future we'll see how radiation could be used for repairing DNA. Yeah. Sure, the goal is probably going to be to identify how much of your DNA needs to be updated back to its original mm-hmm. source. I guess in science fiction it would be the, uh, you remember the um, in Star Trek they had the transporters? Uh-huh, there mm-hmm. you go. And the transporters saved a copy of your system. Sure. In the <laughs> transporter. So you could get stuck yeah. between beams. <laughs> so you can reboot. <laughs> well, the idea is that if they had a clean version of you, and you mm-hmm. beamed somewhere else, then they could eliminate whatever diseases you might have picked up. On the way. On sure. the way, yeah. Every so time you, you beam, it's an upgrade. Reverted back. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it would be sad if you lost your memory, too. You know, sure. when you got beamed. But, you know, if you could maintain your memory and lose the bodily diseases. Oh, that's diseases. so interesting. I wonder if yeah. your memory is attached to your matter or if it's something that is independent of your matter. Like when you dream, maybe there's an energy we haven't really discovered yet with our science that is the place where memories live. Well, you know, who really knows? But I do remember that there was at least one or two Next Generation Star Trek episodes about uh, beings that lived in the transporter space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. And also the new Star Trek with Captain Pike. Uh There's the doctor on that ship that has a daughter that has a terrible disease and he leaves her in the transporter space because it doesn't get any worse there and he brings her out to play every so often yeah Mm. right i remember that one transporter space and that vision keeps you in the status of where you're at yeah star trek also put out the idea that you could have whole life in a virtual space like that it's almost like the phantom zone in in uh, superman mythos a place where you go where it's another place outside of space time where you just are kind of kept for a while hmm. i guess similar to the bardo idea in the tibetan book of the dead sure well places you go when you die in the ocean of energy yeah. how much of your person how much of your individual unique identity is stored as an infinite source of energy where you can tap into it again. Well, it could be that you might be able to save the electromagnetic memories and send them on a separate beam from your biology. Sure. Because it's a different, the consciousness is a different nature than the physical body. Yeah. And might require two transporters to work together. It's a mystery. (laughs) But who really knows? So the bio-sentinel weighs about 30 pounds, and it will be doing its mission for about 18 months. 
and it will be orbiting the sun. It's going out to go around the sun. And it'll be the first time in 40 years that organisms have been sent into deep space. So mm. we'll see how the yeast does in deep space. I see. And the yeast, I assume, has a cell phone to report back? Yeah, yeah. It's got its own phone number. It's, it's <laughs> Maybe face, it's on Twitter account. FaceTime, you know, it's got full video. <laughs> can talk to us. There's an AI to interpret its code so that we can understand right. yeast language. Right. Maybe it'll get a rise out of somebody. Okay. Oh, anyway. Okay, we got a caller in this future? Yes, we do. All right, let's talk to our caller. All right. Let's say hello to Michael in Santa Cruz. Hello, Michael. Hey, that's hey. me. Hey, hey Michael. Thank you I for taking that. my call. Yeah, Please. sure. Right. Didn't we just see you a minute ago? Yeah, in person. Just even. a minute ago. Yeah. You called in. We're going to help Michael surprise. and Santa Cruz. <laughs> well, you know what? I was listening to your conversation about the transporter. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately brought back to a movie I saw many, many years ago called The Fly. Oh, yeah. That Help was me. a great one. Help me. You talking about the one with Jeff Goldblum or the, the earlier, earlier one? one? The 50s one, right? No, that was way earlier than that. Yes. But at any rate, a guy gets into a transporter with a fly, and he gets out of the transporter Tated. with a fly's head. Oh, I know. Oh, that's that's just, right. It's a memorable moment. So, yeah. The AI's messed so up. The story is, yeah. yeah. So the story is finding the fly with the guy's head. I think that was popular on the Outer Limits, too. Yeah. Yeah. There was an episode with ants. It was kind of like that. Um, Well, yeah. So it's a pretty good convention and it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you for taking yeah. my call. Yeah, thanks. I suppose if we learn how to speak fly (laughs) and we had a human head we'd be able to homogenize the two languages, so the by language with the human language. There's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, fly is definitely goes back to the very beginning of this kind of thinking, that's for sure. <laughs> How far back do transport it? I think in the 19th century, they had these magical zones where you could just suddenly be on Mars. Right, you just walk through, and it's or the the closet uh, that you walk through and find yourself in another. You're talking world. about sci-fi movies. Sci-fi movie fiction, science fiction, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. fantasy. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh huh. Sure, has those realms. Portals. So, the Man Who Built a Crooked House, uh, Robert Heinlein, where a whole house shifted in space time and every room opened into a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Very interesting house. Oh, was this mm-hmm. this was a book? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Sounds fun. So it sounds a like popular, that would make a great movie. It's a popular idea in the sci-fi universe. Mm-hmm. But in reality, who knows? We're still figuring that out. Do you have any portals to other dimensions that we can uh, check out? Yeah. And does any of our audience have one? That, uh, How about you, be? Michael? You're still there. You still, do you have any portals we should be checking out? No. Perhaps um, the mystery spot? <laughs> that is a portal. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I would argue that television itself is a portal. Uh-huh. You have this little flat screen, a little piece of glass, and then suddenly you're transported to all these worlds yeah. without uh, having That's to go anywhere. That's a modern anywhere. version of time travel. Time for the second hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future program. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Welcome back to Fusion Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I just read that article on fusion. This is groundbreaking. Isn't I mean, it? If you put in one amount of energy and you get one and a half times 
more back. This is a breakthrough. It is. Yeah. The proof of concept. And that's what the scientists do. They find the proof of concept and then the engineers take over from there. Just make it work in a more effective, functional way. We've been trying to do this for 50 years you know, or longer. Oh, 60 oh years. Well, since we started to understand fusion about 100 years ago. Yeah. And then the last 50 years is trying to create it. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I believe we have a caller on the line as well and had a question about 360. Patiently waiting. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Randall. Yeah. Randall. Randall, you there? Hello. Hey, Randall, you're back. Yeah. Hey, man, I had to call back because I've been wanting to ask. Several months ago, I looked at an old tape of your show and you had a guest on. I can't remember what it was, but you have a 360 degree three-dimensional pan camera that can scan the entire studio. Yes. But how can I do that myself? Because I was doing it myself through a tape. How can that be possible? Well, I was in full control of the panning well, on a tape. <laughs> 360 video is an amazing thing. And there's a number of cameras that are very affordable that do it very well. Like the one I'm lusting after now is called the Insta360 X3 for $449. And instead of taking a little rectangle picture, like your phone does, it takes a 360 degree picture of the entire room all at once. And it's not just a still picture, it's a full motion picture, 30 frames per second. And that's possible because it is taking the information provided by two back-to-back fisheye lenses. Those are super wide-angle lenses, 180-degree lenses, back-to-back, so it captures the entire sphere of what's around you. Because in reality, we live in a sphere of information, left, right, up, around. You know, it's, it's, reality is 360. And so finally, our technology can do 360 video. And what's possible is that you, know, you can then load that into your virtual reality headset and uh, relive those experiences that you recorded. You'll be able to look around and see everything in 360 because it didn't just record a typical little rectangular video. It required 360. What's really great about this is that you can then choose the angles you like and make a movie while you're in 360 space a regular movie that just pulls out the best scenes from the 360 movie to make a regular movie. For example, if you go to an amusement park, you want to capture the roller coaster ride on camera. Instead of having to aim your camera, you just hold this little stick up in the air and it catches the whole 360 experience and you can look at it later. It doesn't interfere as much with your ability to experience what you're experiencing. In that case, the thrill of the roller coaster ride. Right. So the lens looks out in every direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I can control it even though it's a tape. I can actually control the panning. Yes, yes, you have total control of the panning. You can make many movies out of the same 360 video. Because I was doing it. I was controlling the panning. That's right. In the video. Yes. That, that's what is really, it's, it must be a manifold, multi-layered kind of matrix. Like a lattice of lenses or something. It's well, two fisheye lenses back to back. Yeah, and also in terms right. of the lattice or the matrix, when you get the editing software, they give you different ways of viewing the media that's been captured. And basically, what you manipulate is the grid 
that is used to display the video. Well, I want to do that with the last Terminator movie so I could redo the whole movie because it sucked. (laughs) 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 All right, thanks. Sure. Thanks, bye. Sure. Well, you know, the Terminator story is kind of dated anyway. AI is way more sophisticated and complex than that what was presented there. All right, we have another caller. Ah, okay. Well, let's talk to our other caller. Michael in Boulder Creek. Hello, Michael. Hey, Dr. Future. Hey. Are you really this in Boulder is, Creek? Oh, oh, this Michael. This is hey. Now. This Master is now, but I am calling from the future. <laughs> calling from three time zones I'm away, at least. Three hours ahead of you. I'm calling from Georgia. I just mm. pretended I was in Boulder Creek out of nostalgia. Oh. 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 By the way, Dr. Future did get a rise out of me with that uh, comment about you. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that one. At least somebody got my humor. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one said anything at all. So I got a rise out of me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what Doctor Now would like to know now is how many future Doctor Futures might there be in 2022? Oh, 22 or 23? 23. Many multi-universes or one universe. 2022. How many there? Well, we we haven't missed a week, I believe, for this whole year. You know, so that's. But a, how many futures are you going to be on next week and the oh, week after yeah, that? Well, we're going to be on till the end of the year. We're going to be on every Tuesday in December. At least on this frequency, uh, we. Uh, okay. Yeah, we yeah. are. We are planning our transition, but the details are still coming into focus. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Doctor Future might still be with us in 2023, at least at the beginning. Well, let's January. just say well, that. Well, let's just say. Alan will still be with us. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's the most important. important Doctor Future will live if people want him. He, yes, he, well, he, he likes I, to be needed. Yeah, there will, there will definitely be a demand for Doctor and Master Future. Yes, if you if you want him, <laughs> let him know, and he'll okay. he'll keep evolving his persona. <laughs> very, very good. Boy, was that quite a storm! I watched your camera fly off the. Oh, you were you were <laughs> live on that, huh? No, I put that on Facebook. Well, that was quite a storm. It was a very brisk out. wind. Yes, indeed. I, I don't know how many inches fell, but fell about volume and time and wind and all those other fun parts for a storm. We're yeah, going to have yeah. to practice your miking skills because I'm hearing an echo. Echo, echo, echo. You must... I'm hearing an echo too. Well, it's probably because you're on speakerphone. Is that you it? you think that has anything to do with it? Oh, yeah. Very yeah. likely. Try it. Try just taking it off for a second and let's see what happens. I am. Oh. No, I am. I am off it now and I still hear an echo. Oh, oh it must be Bobby then. No, you have your headphones on, Bobby, right? Do we hear an echo? <laughs> it's somebody's fault. Yeah, I'll tell I, you that much. I, I do hear an echo. <laughs> but you still hearing it? Uh, because I just potted no. down Bobby as a as a test. Yeah, and, and I don't hear it anymore. See? Okay, yeah. now bring Bobby oh. up. Bring Bobby up. Now Bobby's back. It's actually, and we hear an echo. Uh oh. Oh, Bobby. Oh, see? It's You're Bobby. the culprit. It's Uh-oh. the uh, it's the web version of Opal. Guess what? Yeah. We're going yeah. to a break. Okay. Well, now that we figured that uh, out. <laughs> okay. Well, 
All right, thank you. Love, you love you too, love man. You Thanks for calling. Happy holidays. Yeah. Let's talk, <laughs> talk again soon. Right. Got some to say to us. Stay on. Otherwise, yeah, soon. Stay on if you want. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, to show you what a bunch of geeks we are, everyone's scrambling to fix the echo. We're going to do an echo hey. test. Echo. Yeah. Okay, I've switched mics. And I'm I still... hear the echo. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to pull, Bobby, I think it's you. I'm pulling really? down your volume and, and the echo is an echo? disappearing. Got, uh, no echo. Ooh. No echo. It's Bobby. It's Bobby. It Bobby? Sad to <laughs> yeah. say, it's you, Bobby. <laughs> okay. What are we going to do? I'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah, he's going right. to work on something. Here. All right. Okay. So, meanwhile, what other cosmic information can we share here? Yeah, is there anything connected with the fusion breakthrough in the cosmic realms that we should know about, Master Now? I had a question about that. Yeah? Okay, well, that's... Okay, so they've managed to grab a lot of extra energy now, and is there any way they could store that energy, let's say, by heating water as they measure it, so that they could actually... Well, heat is the main byproduct. Yeah. And they will use that energy in as many ways as they think they can. This form of fusion just creates a lot of heat. And so whatever you can make from heat, like, i.e., boiling water, is great. But there are other fusion startups. There's one company in Canada, hi, Mom, (laughs) that utilizes fusion to directly generate electricity without having to go to heat. And that might have even better promise. There are many approaches to fusion in creating energy, but heat for sure is the one that is limitless heat. Why, we could heat up the whole universe <laughs> with this. Wait a minute, it we already is. We could boil the oceans, <laughs> yeah. by golly. We could dissolve the clouds. Yeah. We could melt the volcanoes. Now, what could you do with well, unlimited yeah. heat? You know, what's, uh, well, the sun has a lot of heat. It hasn't heated up the whole universe, so... That's true, but it's... Well, it heats up as much of it as it can reach. As it can go, yeah. Now, what if you network all the suns? You know, what if you connect them all together to create one giant fusion network? What do you do then? Well, I actually was listening to the latest theory that all black holes are connected and that they share information. Have you heard anything about that? If it is all one, ultimately, then there's probably some truth to that. Uh, But then that would mean that... The suns would also be networked, and perhaps the suns well, yeah. and the black holes are all part of the same network within well, their yeah, networks, I, I right? So, I was you just know, wondering if the future had heard that, heard that before. If we touched on that in science fiction, it'd probably be uh, Frank Herbert who wrote Dune. He wrote about the Calibans, which were his understanding of the sun as a sentient organism, as a being that actually communicated with others of its own kind, and us little sentient monkeys down here would hardly be able to understand the Caliban language. Sort of like ants and humans. Yeah, because even our planet. You know how many Earths you could fit in the sun? At least 333,000. 333,000. third of a million, at least, of the Earth in the sun. And, and we've got a relatively small sun compared to some of them out there. Some are so big that they would go beyond the orbit of Jupiter 
terms of circumference. And the real mind-bending part of all of that, after you see the Hubble 2 and, and the images of the darkest part of the sky and the thousands and tens of thousands of galaxies, is contemplating that it's just as big going inside as it is going outside. Yeah, like in the Powers of Ten so, movie where you zoom down into the, the, the uh, microscopic universe. Yeah, it is interesting that humanity is poised right in the middle of the biggest of the big and the smallest of the small. We're kind of right in the middle of the scale of things in the universe. That as curious? far as we know. As far as we know, yeah. But it does seem like it looks like that. By the way, uh, Norm says hi from Santa Fe. Hi, Norm. All right. Happy holidays. Hello, Norman. Happy yeah. holidays to you, Michael. <laughs> it's so good to talk with Dr. and Mrs. Future and... And he says it's Bardo, not Bordello. I mean, Bordo. <laughs> Bardo. <laughs> Bardos well, are very interesting, <laughs> but you get stuck in them. Well, Bordellos so you can are, get bored. Well, I, I immediately thought about Bridget, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show. That is not a Bordeaux, for sure. <laughs> oh, it's not? She's it's not. a Bardo. <laughs> but is she a black hoe? I mean, uh, oh, well, that's so bad. Anyway. <laughs> well. Yeah. Oh, Bobby says it's his monitor button. That's oh, the problem with the echo. So here you go, Bobby. Here. You're back. Is there an echo now or not? No, I think you're echo free. You speak did louder. it. Speak echo free. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had to rewire everything here. Echo <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I must say I admire the way that you're always trying out new things every show. <laughs> well, the thing that a lot of people have tried out, and I don't know if you have Master Now yet, but these new AIs that will generate your picture and make you look like a superhero. Oh, right. We've got to thank Gabby for that one. She started sending us these amazing uh, portraits. Yes, uh, everything from... Um, goddess to uh, an Olympic runner to elf queen elf queen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing I've how... totally not seen that you I, haven't I have well, yeah, no. oh my god it's what's called Lenza Just ask Gabby, huh? Lenza yeah is, is the Lenza, software that people S-A or Z-A S-A I believe Elian S-A is an app yeah and you can download it from your you're an Android person right so yeah you go to the Play, play Store it's one of those, another opportunity for our surveillance overlords to get us to pay for the privilege of sending them our images. This really makes it worthwhile because the AIs turn your image into a epically beautiful sci-fi character. Yeah, you look at yourself and say, wow, that's me. Wow. <laughs> I well, yeah, it's really great for know, self-esteem. Uh, you know? Gabby and Mihai never looked that good. I mean, they look good, but this made them look Epically good. Now you put that in, put that in a, any kind of dating app, or you're going to get a lot of calls. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people know that. That's why there were five million downloads in the first week alone. For That's that. right. Wow. Just to populate wow. the yeah. match systems. <laughs> what people wonder is that the company do they now own your rights to your image? And apparently, hey, once you send it through the email, it's out of your control. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, <laughs> uh, once you do, there these pictures are they can use them however they want now. Uh huh. Well, they're digital mods. Yeah. Right. right. It's just like an artist or a photographer. It's the person behind the camera that owns the image. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. At least in this country. 
But, you know, I'm sure that they make that pretty clear when you agree you're paying the money to have them modify your images. And obviously they want to do something with those images. Gab says that they claim to delete your pictures. Oh, your original pictures, your but originals not, your, kept. not your artificial ones. Yeah. And it's a seven day free trial and a few bucks to get, literally get a ton of images. Yeah. Well, I have to say, those images are dynamite. If you don't want to trust it initially, just send in somebody, a friend of yours, his pictures that you, you know, don't mind <laughs> you answering to later <laughs> over, over this. Don't risk yeah, yourself uh, when you yeah. can risk someone you love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody you won't mind. You know. Did you send your image in? Have we, can we, no, uh, no, I have not done that for some silly reason. It's we've been like, bu- busy. I mean, it takes a certain, you got to stay focused on it long enough to make it happen. Yeah, I think if. It's the holidays right now. We're, we're juggling. We're juggling as fast as we can. We got lots of requests for different well, kinds let's, of media. Let's, let's put it, it, it's a different mentality. I mean, let's just say all my friends who got vaxxed did it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones we're hearing from. <laughs> the ones we're hearing from anyway. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder about the, the mind control here. But that's pure speculation. I think that's a... Yeah. That's, Definitely not causal. <laughs> no causality, yeah. <laughs> Doubt it. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, they, the AIs are getting really interesting at this because they, they'll literally put you into whatever scene you want. You want to be star in an Atlantean movie, you look like an Atlantean. Mm-hmm. You, or should we get Gabby on? Maybe Gabby can tell us about it. If she wants, yeah. I'd be happy to talk to her about that because she's not afraid to... Try it out on herself. And All right. Well, Gabby, Opal, Opal One is open. I know you know how to call. Yeah. So. Yeah. You want to talk about your experience with Lenza? Let us know. But <laughs> there's lots of cautionary tales, of course, about the whole thing of putting your image out there in social media. Yeah. But photographs have always been subject to falsification, right? I mean, it goes back as far as, as there were dark rooms, uh, you know, scissors and paste and Photoshop. Oh, as I recall, our friend Jordan, who is a, a lawyer, one of his gigs long time ago, must have been 20 years ago, was to write a book about video and image evidence. Because even 20 years ago, the technology was so advanced that you couldn't use photographic evidence in court anymore because it was so easy to fake. And now we're 20 years down the line and we see fakes all the time, as simple as just gluing a a face onto a moving animation. But Photorealism is getting almost trivial. Yeah, you've you've shown us some of that stuff. Yeah, so. especially with my new graphics card. <laughs> You're <laughs> you gonna start just, doing some more fakes. Yeah, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, well, not just fakes, but the idea that the Tom Cruise one was yeah. pretty epic. Yes, very interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of that that capability is all get going into our hands. That's what's great about this stuff. It's this decentralized power, you know, that gives us all. A you way can to change play the story. You can change the, the story. Narrative. Right. Don't our believe narrative. everything you hear can be modified. Just believe what you want. Gotta go. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you cause I find it hard to take. When people born in circles it's a very, very We have a few new callers that oh, will yeah. definitely contribute to the okay, show. Okay, let's add a little more chaos to the mix. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, this is 
Billy Sunshine. Billy, hey. Chaos. Chaos. <laughs> Chaos Club is assembled. Yes, and you knew we were going to talk about fusion today, didn't you? Well, how about I was able to predict the future. Woo-hoo. I'm impressed. So my question is this. Where yeah. will I be able to listen to you going forward? We don't know yet, but we'll let you know as soon as we do. Yeah, things are in flux here, and something's going to happen because we're all communicators, and we'll continue to communicate in one form or another. And if you like, I need uh, my fix. you know what? And if you People, like Doctor and Mrs. Future, let us know. We'll keep Doctor and Mrs. Future alive. And the thing is yeah. that our show, all the years that we've been broadcasting with KSEO here, we have been maintaining our podcast at the Doctor Future Show website, and that will continue. So anybody who's subscribing to us that way isn't even going to see a break. DRFutureShow.com. Just stay there, and you'll be with us. Yeah. All will be revealed. Yes, DRFutureShow.com, and you will be By the way, part I of our fun say, club. Yeah. I am so fond of Jordan. Yes, yes. isn't so he wonderful? And, and sweet. He is a, just a wonderful person. And I met him because of you, and I thank you for that. Marlon. You're welcome. Well, I'm so glad you guys, I see you guys all the time on, on uh, yeah, you Club, got, we get Clubhouse. Yeah, we get a lot of announcements from you and him and you guys together being on Clubhouse. So, so I, <laughs> so I got to ask you, uh, Billy, uh, have you seen Jordan's Lenza pictures, the ones that the AI I have. Oh, yes. <laughs> you I laugh. have. You laugh. What do you think? I mean, what's uh, what's your impression? I, I, you know, I think it's very, it's uh, charming and entertaining. I myself am not going to do it because I'm so old and ugly now. There's no. Point. Oh no, you'll love it. These pictures will make you look young and heroic and fabulous. Oh. Oh. oh yeah. Can I trust the Chinese with my picture? Yeah. Yeah. What are, what what are they, they going to do with yeah. it? <laughs> you're, you're, how can they make it any worse? Oh, don't answer that. <laughs> I, I do have yeah. one program that's called the Aging Program, and it makes you look older. But it's not very popular. I don't need that. <laughs> no, no. Well, I just want to say, I yeah. love you guys. I always have. You know that. Yeah, yeah. we know that. We Feelings love you too. Mutual, Billy. Yeah, and so thank you, KSCO. Thank you, for KSCO. bringing me the futures. Yeah, oh. that's right. Brought us all together. We are in a community hub. Thank you very much for 20 years, hosted by Michael Swirling and his mom, Kay, originally, and held together by this amazing crew of people who are so dedicated and who give this community a voice. It's a very special thing. And, hugs. Um, hugs. Yeah. yeah no, hugs. All right, yeah, Billy. Thanks. We'll keep yeah. evolving. Bye, kids. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank Bye. you, Billy. Glad you're there. Yeah. All right. And there is something special to... about the idea of talk radio, especially, where people can check in. Mm-hmm. On the fly like this. Mm-hmm. There's a spontaneity that's just not possible in normal podcasting. Yeah. All right. Now, I have both of our caller lines with people who've called in. One is Michael and one is Billy. And I have to let go of one of you guys to let Kenny come on. Let so. go of me. All right. Just <laughs> okay. warning you. Okay. Thank you, Thanks Billy. for calling. Bye, Billy. Billy. Appreciate hearing from you. Catch yeah. you later. Kenny from Watsonville. Hello, hello. Hey, Kenny. Hello. I love KSCO, too. I've been a fan since before Michael owned it. I used to hear it on my telephone because I lived on 24th Avenue. Oh, and I had a, yeah. a phone on the wall, and I would pick it up, and I could hear this the broadcast from KSCO even uh, back then. But anyway, yeah. I called because you had... Um, Several topics that you just touched on. One of them was long-term memory. Mm-hmm. You just briefly touched on that. And mm-hmm. also you talked on 360-degree vision. Video, um, yes, 360 video. Sure. It's one of my these two subjects are related. 
way they of playing are related. The and Greg Braden has his book and his concept called Human by Design. Mm-hmm. And what his notion is is that a lot of these technical developments that we've had are just images of what the human could actually be capable of doing on its own if we could discover the ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And the field of epigenetics is one example. Sure. I mean, there are countless others. Oh, there's and a lot I, of people now talking about ascension as a natural human tendency that we create a light body that's a container for our soul once we leave the meat body. Which to me, in a technological point of view, is creating a kind of a beaming device, like the transporter in Star Trek, that there's something like that, but it happens psychically initially before it becomes physical. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you, but, you know, places yeah. no, to put okay. your memory, right? Where are you going to put your this, memories? <laughs> yeah. This is a conversation, not, not a diatribe. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I appreciate you guys very much, all your input. Uh, but you, the, what you. I was going to say was the way I see long-term memory is the kind of a, a Rupert Sheldrake way of seeing it as a personal morphogenic field that's akin to a personal energy cloud which they've discovered, we all have this field around us. And neuroscientists have been looking, and they've found where the short-term memory sites are. They can find those fairly easily, and they can get them to light up. But they never can't figure out where this amalgamation of short-term memories becomes the long-term memory. There's nowhere in the human brain tissue that they've actually found any significant way that this is being expressed. And so the theory is that it's being expressed in a field, in a morphic field around your body, and that's where your long-term memories are actually stored, which would be similar to a cloud. Yeah, I think a lot could be said for that. And and in a sense, our technology with the cloud is reflecting what actually is going on already within our own biological systems. We have local memory and we have the cloud, and they both work very well together. Mm -hmm. Right. Biology is replicating itself into our technology. So our technology is reflecting who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. Already. As regards to 360 degree vision. And we do see in 360. That's what we do. Right. And and, you know, NDEers, they constantly report that when they've left their body, you know, near death experiencers and astral projectors and all those folks. Mm-hmm. When they leave their body or their consciousness leaves their body, mm-hmm. they always say they can see 360. There's no, you know, with their, they're not seeing. With yeah, astral, eyes, astral travel vision is 360. Hmm. Yeah, they have 360 degree awareness is how some of them describe it. Mm. So you couple those together with their long-term memory being stored in that same kind of area. And then you couple that with what they sometimes call the Akashic Record. There's a whole bunch of names for it, but it's the general information library, for lack of a better term, that's stored in the field of consciousness. Yeah, the Akashic Record, the Net of Indra, the Wisdom of the Ages is stored somehow, and we're tuned into it psychically. Okay, I have a good thought for you that just occurred to me because we're going in this direction. So (laughs) would you say that in the Net of Indra, if we can imagine that each of us has some kind of a soul imprint that's like personal that we can identify when we go meditate we can go find ourselves in the infinite all that is well is there such an imprint for every individual atom like can every atom tune into the web of indra of all energy imprints in all time in all forms and recognize itself? Well, I don't know. Let me ask Google. 
Yeah, no. there you go. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying, though, Kenny? <laughs> I do, I do. And it's kind of like the fractal holographic view of Yeah, right, right. Fractal holographic, yeah. that's it. Good catch. I, I suppose everything accesses information on the level that it understands. Mm-hmm. You know, and what a cell understands is different than what we understand as a collective cellular organism. And, yeah. and what an atom understands is different from a cell. Right. You know? So it starts uh, with identity politics and then yeah. which frequencies are in phase with what you identify with. So yep. sympathetic resonance. Yeah. And holographic resonance. You know? Sympathetic holographic resonance down yeah. to the atomic level. Mm hmm. Oh, and then I could quote Edgar Mitchell. And his, Edgar Mitchell, Apollo 14 astronaut, and also the founder of Noetic Sciences. Right. Yeah. Yep. And he said that for our generation, the most important breakthrough for us to understand in the world of consciousness and physics mm-hmm. is the four words, phased, resonant, quantum holograms. Phase resonance, resonance, yes. quantum, yes. phase resonant quantum holograms. You and could put those words in any order. Equals who we are. Yes, yes. That's how to understand the nature of matter and the nature of energy and the nature of consciousness. It's kind of like the unified field that describes all three. I ask you this then: If we're holograms, are we being projected? We are projecting. We are the projector projecting. Yes. We're both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We play both sides against the middle here. Yeah. If we are the projectors, uh-huh. then that's our imagination going out as creation force. But if we are receiving the projections of the rest of consciousness, then we are the reflectors. <laughs> so we can shift at will? Yeah, it's it's both and. The end is near. The end is near, not the end. The end. That's what makes sense to me anyway. We're transducers. Transduce. Transduction, yes. Well, that's moving frequencies from one domain to another. My uh, understanding of transduction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's quite a form of communication. Well, one, one last point. On this program, I love all the science, and I, I like to research scientific things. My goal in life is to convince people to remarry spirit spiritual things and scientific things because they were put asunder not too long ago, not a few, a few hundred years ago. Good but, idea. Um, there's a caveat to everything. For instance, I, I have these nice lenses that were just put in my eyes to replace my lenses because they had severe cataracts. Uh-huh. And I love that kind of body science, if you will. Sure. But my caveat is to warn against what Greg Braden calls transhumanism. He's trying to get us to be more human by design and Utilize the science for sure where it's applicable, but not at the cost of our true humanism. Hmm. And, yeah, uh, I, hear I, you. I hear you. We yeah. have got to have, continue this conversation, and, and we it's got time another, to go to a break. We've got another caller on. Yes, we have one. another caller. Yes. So, oh, Kenny. Do we have Gab? Yes. All right. All right. You everybody. can go ahead and, and talk to somebody else, and thank you. Well, thank we have both. You, but man. yes, I appreciate no, no, no. your call Hold because on. the consciousness element. Is, why don't we talk to you for about a minute before we bring in our other caller after okay. the break? Okay. So, can you hang? We'll be back. Yeah, I can. Okay, All sure. right. Back in 10. Three minutes. Okay. Welcome back to the show. 
So we got Kenny on for a couple more minutes, and then we're cutting over to Gabs and her report on this Lenza AI. Sounds right. very intriguing. This is so fun at KSO to just have all these channels open. We've got this group conversation going on. All yeah. these participants. Okay. Let's go. Okay, so Kenny, do you... Back to the holographic universe and yes. do you the consciousness field that you, surrounds us. Yeah, do you believe you're projecting your consciousness into this world, and you're, or uh, are you uh, yes, receiving it? I think my consciousness, it goes both in and out. It's constantly uh, emerging and, and retracting, kind of like the, uh, is it a wave or is particle. it a particle? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the collapse of the wave function when you observe it. Yeah. The collapse of the wave function. Now, for a surfer... Would that be good to be? <laughs> I'd Maybe say for a web server. <laughs> <laughs> web server. Collapse of the wave function for me is when I, I'm a, you know, I've got all these searches open and I got a new idea and then I get distracted by something and I can't remember what I was just about to do and that wave collapsed. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, In terms of uh, no, it's memory. Schrodinger's cat. You know, where yeah. you don't know whether the cat's dead or alive in the box until you observe it. That is such an outdated way of thinking about it. What? <laughs> well, the <laughs> open box though. is either dead or alive, right? Uh, well, when you think of quantum, you know, th yeah. there's all these possibilities, but those co possibilities collapse into one existence when it's observed. Yeah, well, that's the mystery. Why would our attention change the nature of things? Because there's so many attentions going on. But uh, I, I think we should look at it as if we are the universe and God, and that we are just the observers observing itself. And there's so many of us. That so are, we're both know, the mortal and, and the immortal simultaneously? Yes. So we are, we are the eyes of God. Mm. You know, we're observing what, what's been created. At least for the little speck of time that we exist in that identity. That's what I used to think of video. Video. The eye of God. The eye of God. <laughs> yeah, I think the butterfly effect is real. Uh, you know, I think that we all contribute our essence to the consciousness. And there's an author, Christian Sundberg, who wrote a book called A Walk in the Physical. And virtually everything we've just talked about, he writes in there. And what his premise is, he, he had a, a, an awareness of his life between lives, where he was planning out his life. Mm -hmm. In the and, transporter uh, beam, and, yeah. yeah. Well, he just had it, what he was supposed to do in this life. But mm -hmm. when he did so, one of the things was he was supposed to impart some of these things that we've just been talking about, and mm -hmm. about consciousness. It's very involved, but it's, it's uh, like I say, there are many people now who are either discovering or just being open about a lot of these concepts. And I think that that's part of this effect. It's a, it's a, a concerted effect by all of us trying to drive this thing forward and try to this thing called humanity forward and humankind, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and trying to make it better each in our own little way. And collectively, it's a big energy. Yeah. All those atoms together, <laughs> we each have 50 trillion cells. And, and, uh, and they're all going to vote the same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, each, they're each all just of those kind of pushing sets. it. Well, I, yeah, I noticed that uh, when I watch YouTube movies, if I like some of them, it'll keep giving me more in that arena. And I'm getting more, like, lately, Eckhart Tolle and Alan Watts. Alan oh, Watts has been right. showing up on my feed more. There you go. And he's one of the thought leaders that helped explain how East meets West 
in modern thinking starting back in the 50s actually mm-hmm. he was an east meets west kind of sure. person that it was he actually had a, a role in the anglican church becoming one of the thought leaders of the west coast in california in the 60s yeah. uh, helping to understand um, zen and buddhism and things like that so that in a practical kind of way so i think there are more and more insights that people are having that aren't just thought leaders that are normal everyday people that are seeing how East meets West. Um, we have expressions like what goes around comes around. It's kind of a concept that, that bridges East and West. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news about eternity yeah. is that it's full of thoughts that last forever. So that you have lots of time to discover them. Beyond East and West. Yeah. <laughs> so beyond East uh, and West, we have somebody on the East Coast on Opal One. We do. Oh, oh, yes. All right. Let's say hello to our buddy, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me okay? We hear you. Sound great. Yay. All right. right. Yay. Hi. Hey, welcome to the show. And, you know, we we, we thought you. The lens a goddess. Yeah, we we know you've been experimenting (laughs) with this AI. And, uh, you know, and you, because tell me what you did. How many pictures did you feed the AI to give you all these incredible (laughs) images of yourself? Uh, 10, 20? A lot. I think. think, uh, Did you take new pictures or did you comb through old pictures and send your very best? I combed through old pictures. I didn't send my very best, but I sent a variety of photos that were in different settings, different poses, different clothing, you know, like a very diverse set of photos. Because and I so knew what that, did the um, AI have what, to do with yeah, it? Yeah, what, what's your impressions so far? Well, it's funny because it kind of feeds into what you were just talking about regarding like a holographic universe and this idea of projection. And I really felt like it did this weirdly great job of capturing the essence of who I am. Like mm. in some of the cases, it was just a regurgitation of the actual image that I uploaded. But in other cases, it did this like bizarre rendering that was able to capture qualities about me. Like, it was super weird. You, you mean, oh, um, pick an example. Like, Which one really um, caught your what attention? What quality that it bring the out? The one where I am like, there's one where I'm like this warrior in some forest in, in this armor, and I look like fierce, you know? And yeah. it, it's just like, it was pretty wild. Um, Did you feel like, like it was captured. tuning into some kind of past life? Yeah, because it was different than the other yeah. ones. Like there are a yeah. lot of them with armor and, you know, things like this fantasy kind of series. But yeah. I hadn't seen any that were quite like that one. But um, this one felt like it had more of your soul in it. Yeah, it was weird. And, then, and there were quite a few that were like that. Mm-hmm. Like the spirit or the essence of somebody. Did, did not you, just, obviously oh. you're, yeah. you're seeing your own image, so you obviously recognized yourself. Were there any that you felt like you didn't recognize? Or, yes. Yeah, yeah, there were some yeah. I would say I had a hard time recognizing you in it. Yeah, definitely. Across the board also, I think people were pretty consistently, like there was a series that was like this anime series. It's kind of like cartoony that series is sort of known to people who were using this program to look nothing like them when that particular type because what it would do it doesn't just render images but it renders them in different styles and depending on how much money you want to give to them (laughs) (laughs) yeah you get more styles more styles and more images yes Hmm. one of the things impressed Um, me was the eyes 
Sometimes it would get it, the eyes just right. It really got the eyes. Yeah. You know what was really cool is that my eyes look green in real life, but they're actually like blue with this kind of amber fleck in the middle. And uh. so they appear to be green, but the AI was able to actually pick that up. Like in several pictures where it was just like giving me like these lighter eyes that were really, yeah, the essence of it. Even the eyebrow shape. There was just certain, those were always like on point, the eyes. I yeah. did, And the lips. And, the and, lips, and yeah. I don't know what was up with, okay, for the record. <laughs> yeah. A lot. I had a lot of attention from men from posting these pictures. I bet you Facebook. did, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty stunning. Beautiful. But like it, it, they're epic. Yeah, but the it, breast shots were amazing, <laughs> too. I but say. it cracks me up. Okay, yeah. for, and this is what I want, yes, for the record, regarding the breast shots. Yeah. I did not upload. Really? My, they made up those breasts? Boobies. My <laughs> boobies were not yeah. uploaded to the AI. Interesting. I just, I you just made some inter- intelligent guess. It was, so. like, it was like based upon these, I guess, I don't know. It was really... It, it was sort of proportionate, except for one that gave me these monstrous, huge knockers. And yeah, um, yeah that's a that's um, an archetype. You know, I, I'm going to have to ask for the audience, Gabby. Where can people see these images? <laughs> yeah, go to her Gabby, Facebook. I want to see these, Facebook. Gabby. Yeah, you'll see I've some. seen them, but <laughs> yeah. all of these people. Do you want to bring in the caller at the last minute here? Yes, yeah. Sean from Live Oak. We're going to give you the very yeah, you can last come in and join us for the last show. minute and see if you've done your lens pictures yet. Hi, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, I just had a uh, dermatology appointment so I could make your show today. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, you just made it, man. <laughs> Glad yeah. to hear it. We yeah. got the last 30, 45 the, seconds yeah, this, here. We were talking about the Lens uh, AI software. That, that's yeah. the last thing. Have you, have you seen that yourself yet? No, I haven't. But okay. uh, I, I caught a little bit of what you were talking about, Fusion. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, Fusion, and, yes. Yeah. And you were talking about the alternate ways of extracting energy besides just heat. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I remember I sent the special to you, but it's when you have the magnetic bottles containing the plasma, oh. and they're moving the plasma to create the fusion. This oh. is not about AI. Yeah. That's a containment field. Listen, um, tune in. Yeah, we'll hey, have what? to have a get lens.